Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I am your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we will continue looking at decision-making, which is the backbone of what all lawyers and professionals do on a daily basis. In our last episode, David Sussler joined us on the show to talk about decision-making, both from the context of being an in-house attorney, which David is as Associate General Counsel at National Material, as well as from an outside counsel perspective, which is the view that I bring to the table. For the past eight and a half years, David and I have joined forces and frequently written and spoken on this topic, and we are co-columnists of the Chicago Lawyer column Inside Out, which compares and contrasts private practice and in-house counsel perspectives on current issues and trends impacting both the legal and business landscapes. In addition to being my partner in crime on the writing front, David also happens to be my husband. David, thanks so much for joining us, and welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. So, David, when we wound up the last segment of our interview, we were talking about the right legal answer for companies and clients versus the right business answer. So now, why don't we start by taking a look at what role the right legal answer has in the decisions that we help our clients make? Well, the again, as we kind of hit on a little bit last time, for me especially, and I think for all lawyers working with business clients, the right answer is the right business answer, but the law always informs that answer. My job ultimately as, as an in-house lawyer is risk management. How do we effectively do business yet minimize what risk we're exposed to, right? right? You can't eliminate risk if you, as, as my CEO once said a number of years ago in a meeting, if you eliminate risk, we're out of business because risk is inherent in business. Right. Uh, and that's just become one of my favorite quotes. So it's my job and I think the law, the, the job of all lawyers who represent businesses is to help us effectively manage that risk. Well, and I think that that's absolutely right. And I think from an outside counsel perspective, the discussion really isn't all that different as we alluded to and hit on last time, I generally recommend to clients that we start by looking at what the right answer is from a legal perspective. And that's particularly important depending on whether you're in a situation, for example, where if you end up doing something that runs afoul of the law, so to speak, which sometimes the legal counsel we give there is sort of that bad potential consequence of running afoul of the law, so to speak. Sometimes it isn't that drastic of a consequence, but I generally recommend to clients when we're trying to figure out what the right answer is and figuring out the sort of dynamics between the right legal answer and the right business answer, I generally recommend to clients that we start by looking at what the right answer is from a legal perspective particularly if there is a strong legal component, because if we find that there is that black and white versus legal, you know, like legal versus illegal, that could end up shutting down certain options that the client may have thought that they had up until the time that that analysis was done. And once we sort of get that baseline 
of what the right answer is, so to speak, from a legal perspective, then we can start looking at the various other factors that you touched on that make the decision much more three-dimensional. You know, those are great points, and it makes me think of, you know, we're, my business is raw material manufacturing. We sort of on the steel side, for example, we're, we're the middleman between steel mills and parts makers. We just provide raw material steel that our customers make things out of. But in the manufacturing world, for example, these, these days manufacturers want their inventory just in time. Right. So one decision we always have to keep in mind is not shutting the customer down. Right. right? If our performance fails in some way and we shut our customers' production lines down, the risk is hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in potential damages. I mean, that's just a basic fact. So when you start having a conversation, my brain will go to the legal aspect. I talked about last time, my first questions are always the business issues. But as I explain, and I'm very upfront with my clients and if I'm negotiating with the other side, for example, I just say, listen, I'm a trial lawyer by background. My brain automatically jumps to closing argument. What is the story I'm going to tell the jury? And I back up from there to make sure that I can tell the story I want to tell. So is the contract written in a way that I can tell the story I want to tell to the jury? And that kind of informs the conversation, the questions I may ask, and the advice I give as to how to get there. But then oftentimes in making the right decision for the business is, okay, there's a legal answer here. The contract says we have the right to do this, and I can tell the perfect story to the jury, and we're going to win. But that answer is not going to come for five or six or seven years. Mm -hmm. So how does that help us as a business today when if we can't get our customer to agree to this, they may end up in a shutdown situation, right? So the right legal answer will inform that discussion. And then as the lawyer, I can help the business people frame the questions or frame the conversation with our customer to navigate towards a business resolution that avoids us ever having to resort to the legal answer, which isn't going to give you satisfaction for years and you need an answer today. Right. Very, very good points. So segueing a little bit from that, you've had a 30-plus year career in the law, and your experience has straddled a number of different positions in various work environments. Reflecting back on your career, what are some of the more difficult decisions you have had to make both for your clients and yourself? And when I ask you that question... I understand that in the context of being an in-house attorney, sometimes you are not the ultimate decision maker. So when we talk about the more difficult decisions you've made, I'm also, I would love to hear about the more difficult decisions you have helped your clients to make. That's a great question. There's quite a few. The first one that pops into my head several years ago we had a brand new president who had just been on the job for maybe six months and we had barely started getting to know each other. And we're, I walked in the back door of the building. He walked in the front door of the building. It was about seven in the morning. He was drinking his coffee. I hadn't had my coffee yet. And he grabbed me and said, David, come here. I got a question. And he shows me a clause in a, in a contract, a pricing clause. 
and he said, what's the base price for the steel in this contract? If mm-hmm. your answer is A, then we're going to be able to book a multi-million dollar profit. But if your answer is B, we're going to book a multi-million dollar loss. What do you think? And I read it, you know, and, I, and I had to say, well, based on the face of this, I think the answer is B. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he says, well, we, who would you represent in court, us or them? You know, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God, millions of dollars, you know, from a profit to a loss are riding on me. I've never seen this contract. I haven't had my coffee. There's a lot of pressure from that decision. So I said, well, I need more facts. Mm -hmm. We need to get these people on the phone. Right. So we got these other business people on the phone. I asked them questions to help me understand this language because it was a really confusingly written contract. Mm -hmm. The four business people involved who'd been dealing with this account for years, they didn't understand it. I'd Mm -hmm. never seen it before. So I asked them a number of questions. I'm reading and reading and reading the clause. And finally I said, you know what? The answer is A. And again, Mm -hmm. the president said, who would you represent in court, David? Us or them? And I said, I'll represent us. And I'm really comfortable because here's the story I'm going to tell to the jury. Mm -hmm. So book your profit. You know, that's also, to me, is a good example of why I love my job. It's Mm -hmm. hard. It's scary when you have, you know, million-dollar profit or million-dollar loss Mm -hmm. riding on what you say at 7 in the morning before a cup of coffee. Right. Another, uh, you know, really difficult decisions often is, is whether or not to terminate someone's employment. And those can be really complex or they can be really simple. Again, we're manufacturing. Uh, The manufacturing environment it's all safety first because people can die. Mm -hmm. If you do things wrong, people can lose a limb or they can lose their life or they can cause somebody else to lose their life. So, you know, you think the simple answer is, okay, somebody uh, had to get a drug test and they come back under the influence of drugs or alcohol and they're operating heavy equipment. They have to be terminated. Now, I've trained my people over the years. I want them to come to me and run that decision by me before they make it. But it's pretty, pretty easy to say, they have to be terminated. Mm-hmm. You still have to keep the human aspect in mind because these are human beings. And right. they, when you decide somebody's going to lose their job, they go home tonight and they may not have a roof over their head tomorrow. Right. Um, but you have to make the right business decision, not the right emotional decision. The, the more difficult decision may be if you're involved in a culture change, you've changed leadership mm-hmm. um, because you want a greater emphasis on, on safety in a factory, for example. How do you make the right decision to discipline? What's the right discipline to implement when you're changing culture? Those are very, very difficult. Again, it's the decisions, do I suspend somebody or do I fire somebody? Right. Those are the hard ones. And I, and I deal with those, not often, but often enough that... That's that's kind of my go-to answer to the question of what's the most difficult decision I make is whether whether to fire somebody or not. Um, and that means part of the training that I do to my, my business people and my HR folks is the focus should always be on how do we save somebody's job, not how do we fire somebody. But again, it's the decision and the analysis of the facts as to reaching the right decision. Um, those are a couple of the, the most difficult things that from the work aspect. Um, You also asked me personally in my career, I think the most difficult decision I ever had to make in my career was deciding to leave private practice and go Mm in-house. I I grew up wanting to be a plaintiff's personal injury attorney. I started my career doing personal injury defense litigation. Six years in, I switched to the plaintiff's side. 
it was difficult for me to leave that first job because there are a couple lawyers I really liked working with, but this was my life's goal. So that was a fairly easy decision. But a couple years into being a plaintiff's PI attorney, all of a sudden I realized I don't like this mm-hmm. and I didn't have a plan B. So, and I didn't know anything about the business world, just had never really paid attention to the business world before I went in house. So that was a huge leap of faith Mm -hmm. where I knew nothing. Fortunately for me, once I got in house and I started learning the business world, I realized I loved the business world. I knew more about it than I thought I had. I just had to re-engineer, um, my, my approach to my knowledge base. Uh, and then it turned out to be the best decision of my life because I've been in house for nine, over 19 years now. Um, and 31 years into my career, I absolutely love what I do. That's great. And, um, yeah, I have been around for some, some, (laughs) some of what you've described and, um, you know, it's, you know, the life is sometimes not easy, right? And whether it's counseling our clients, on certain decisions. And I've had a couple of those too, um, you know, both in the context of making recommendations of, as you were talking about certain employees, whether they have a longer term or a short term future at the organization and having to sometimes be the person to make that call as to whether from my frame of reference, I think someone's going to make it, but then also helping clients make some pretty tough decisions for example, as they're getting ready to launch a particular product or or service offering, um, you know, sometimes the business people and the client falls in love with a name and having to be the person to tell them this is a level of risk that you as an organization typically don't take. And I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't in this situation, but just be mindful that drawing on my past experiences with you this is a risk that you typically would not take. And let's talk about what that means. Um, and just sort of understanding in that context that making decisions, as we mentioned earlier, is a bit of an optimization exercise. There's always going to be limitations on the process. You're never going to be able to make a perfect decision. Um, sometimes it's a bit of a Sophie's choice, and neither decision is a great one. And you have to do the best with what you've got, realizing that time is usually not on your side when you're making these types of decisions. And there is a law of diminishing returns, even if you do have a longer timeline than you most than you most often do, that there comes a point where you end up sort of retreading over the same territory. And even if you have all the time in the world, there comes a point where doing the retread over things doesn't help move the needle in a positive direction. And sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and make a decision. Um, and then on the personal front, um, I would say that I've had a couple of things that have happened during the course of like my personal and professional and academic existence. I'd say making the transition from being an engineer to a lawyer was one that ended up not being easy for me. I had a a promising career as an engineer and was on the PhD route for my education and then made a decision to do a 180. And I don't regret that at all, but at the time I made it, it was a very difficult one. And there were times when I was worried that I hadn't made the right decision. 
Um, and then also a very recent decision I made to change law firms after 25 years. That was a very difficult decision for me. I'm very happy with the decision I made. But um, oftentimes, you know, you, as you move towards something, you inevitably give certain things up. And the question is, are you willing to give up what you are giving up in the context of deciding on one thing versus another? So, you know, and that's actually because I got to live through that as well. And that's a good example of of some of the things we've talked about, how some decisions are more difficult than others. Some may take more time and more in-depth analysis. You have to constantly ask the questions, discuss the answers, and then maybe you need to revisit the initial decision. Because oftentimes people's initial answer is, is a visceral reaction to no, which really means I want to stay the status quo. I want to stay the course. Right. I want to keep the status quo as close as possible. So, no, it's like the question, you know, should I change law firms after 25 years? No. Or you're thinking about it, and my reaction is no. So you talk about it over time, and eventually you get to the same page and realize, yeah, this change, of course, really is the best decision. And that's comp- that can be true in, the person- in your personal life and oftentimes in business. Right. Absolutely. So, David, our time together is almost up. Um, So the final question I'd like to ask you relates to some of the lessons you've learned about making decisions and getting to the right answer for your clients. And, um, you know, to the extent you'd like to share some personal anecdotes as well, we'd love to hear those too. But what are some of the lessons that you've learned in this area? Well, the first one that is very important for in-house lawyers is you have to put your ego away because mm-hmm. it's not about you. You know, when you're in a law firm, the lawyers are the revenue generators. The lawyers are the center of the business. Um, they are the decision makers in a business entity. We're not the, the salespeople. The business people are the decision makers. The salespeople are the revenue drivers. We help drive Revenue. I think a lot of people traditionally describe lawyers as a cost center. Um, I think lawyers are the revenue assistance center, and sometimes we're actually the revenue center because we help business move forward. But we have to put our ego aside um, because it's really the business, it's the business people's decisions to make. Mm-hmm. And they may not make the decision we want them to make. Ultimately, we just have to prevent, present them with the facts and the argument and let them make the decision. And then we live with it. And hopefully we've helped to minimize risk either way it comes. But that's, that's a big one. Um, another important lesson is you actually have to listen to your clients. Um, that sounds pretty simple. Well, it, it is, but it isn't. Because what it means is, listen to what your client is saying, listen to what they're asking. Are they really asking you a legal question? Um, or are they asking you for something else? Are they asking you for moral support? Mm-hmm. Are they maybe just wanting you to be a sounding board for, for what they're saying and not really asking you to give them an answer at all? So again, you have to you have to... That's the part of the emotional intelligence component of the issue as well. Um, in this way, you, you can discern, well, what is their passion for this matter? 
what is the urgency? What is their commitment to this? What's their understanding of the matter? And you have to get all of that out, and you have right. to actually listen to your client. That's very important. That's actually a really good. That that's a really good point. And you know, just as an out from the outside counsel perspective, I'd say when you're helping others, particularly in the context of helping clients make decisions and getting to the right answers, we've been discussing for the past hour. It is really important, as you said, to listen to your client. And it's not just listening to what they're saying, but it's listening to what is unsaid, listening to how they're saying it, because there's a lot of the communication that isn't straight up through what exactly is being said. There's the nonverbal communication. There's the, you know, the edges to the communication. And for me as outside counsel, sometimes what I'm being asked to do is, is, to, is to help drive the decision-making train, so to speak, but other times it's to be what a friend of mine calls being the bartender, which is really to just listen to what the aggravations and frustrations are of the client, but to actually not really even say much of anything at all. So it's in the process of letting your client vent that sometimes does the most good and helping them reach a decision because ultimately it may be a decision that you, from a substantive standpoint, may not be able to really contribute to, but you're helping them along the decision-making process by listening to them. Exactly. Another another important lesson learned is, we touched on this, I think, last week, is don't just say no, offer alternatives. Right. The, the no, but, try it this way. That's key. A couple others, I think it's important to have a trusted advisor um, especially for the difficult decisions, have somebody that you can go to and run something by. Mm-hmm. And in, along those lines, don't take their response personally. Maybe they're going to say something that for a trusted advisor, they may say something you don't like to hear, but they're going to help you get to that right decision. Right. And I think very importantly, uh, lesson learned is to trust my judgment and instincts uh, it, it's taken me a long time to learn to do that, mm-hmm. but I realized, you know, hey, now I've been practicing law for 31 years. I have a tremendously broad uh, set of experiences right. over the years, and I, you know, I don't always know the right answer. I often don't, at least not initially. But my instincts are generally right. Right. Um, and I have found that more often than not, when I discount my instincts and try something else. I realize I should have just done what I thought of in the first place. I completely agree. And sort of looking at this from the perspective of being outside counsel and, you know, what I have found to be true in terms of lessons learned and when things have gone well for clients, um, I agree. And this is something that we haven't really spent much time talking about this hour is, you know, the decision-making is a combination of a number of things, which we have touched on, which include fact-gathering, great lawyering, making sure that you get a good business and commercial sense of the issues and wearing your business hat as you talk through all of these issues with your client. But you also need to develop what I call a spidey sense or a strong intuition about certain things. And a lot of it is a byproduct of having done it for many years, but a lot of times it's just a product of being in tune with yourself and being self-aware about how you make decisions, how you feel 
when certain decisions are made and based on prior experience, you know, how do you feel physiologically when you make certain decisions? Like, for example, when I've worked with certain folks, whether they're colleagues or whether they're clients, and we sort of start down that decision-making path, sometimes if I feel uneasy about the way in which I think a certain decision-making process is going, if I feel uneasy I feel the need to check it out. And it's, you know, sometimes the way that that checking it out looks is different from one scenario to the next, but it could be asking questions. It could be um, brainstorming with, with somebody. It could be just sort of letting it sit and marinate for a while so that you can sort of figure out why are you feeling uneasy about it. Sometimes it's something that over time you feel better about, in which case it just meant that you needed to let, you know, let it sit for a while. So the decision-making that you do, obviously there's the decision tree analysis that I like to do from my engineering days, and that's an important part of it too, but it's this, this weaving together of all of these different things that help you come out on the other side with a decision that's hopefully the best one you can reach under the circumstances. I think you hit on on an important point as well, especially in today's world, is sometimes you just have to let something marinate and think about it for a while. And we live in such a fast-paced world today that we often don't take the time to think and let something marinate. Um, uh, You know, sometimes the key to making the best decision is sleep on it. Let's revisit this tomorrow. Right. Absolutely. So David, thanks so much for joining us. Do you have any final thoughts for us before we sign off and where can our listeners find you? Well, I think for a final thought, I'd go back to what I just said. I think sometimes the best decision is, is to let's think about it Mm -hmm. Um, and trust your instincts. And where can people find me? They can find me on Twitter. Um, I checked after last week's uh, um, hesitation about my Twitter handle, and it is at David Sussler. And you can find me on LinkedIn as well. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us and for your sage advice. You've raised a lot of really great points for our listeners, and I'm sure that they've taken away a lot from our conversation today. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. We hope that you've enjoyed our exploration of decision-making for lawyers. Please join us next week. I am your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.